How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am Anthony Irwin. I am not joined by Harrison Fagan. He is on strike. He may or may not ever become... No, I'm just kidding. He'll, he'll be back here uh, probably again on Monday. I am joined instead by Pete Zayas of the Laker Film Room podcast, of LakerFilmRoom.com, of Twitter, and basically anywhere you find Laker content, Pete is there providing some of the smarter stuff out there while, you know, I go out there and I play court jester. So Pete, how are you holding up? I'm doing well, my man. It's good to be back. How you been? Hey, you know, it only took like 37 different DMs and, right. and a, <laughs> I had to, I, I had to stalk you down in, in person and, and, and try to guilt you, guilt trip you coming onto the podcast. So, you know, I'm glad it, I'm glad we finally got this uh, together though. And, and in, in all seriousness, Pete has a busy schedule. I have a busy schedule. I kept on asking Pete like five minutes before we were supposed to go, before we were supposed to record. Really, man, I, I just got a big head, you know, all, all, all this, you know, Twitter fame went to my head and, you know, I just didn't have time for you anymore. And, you know, you just caught me on a, on a good night. That's really what it comes down to, you know. Honestly, after the 575th Dom and Rangula shout out, I can't blame your head for getting too big. <laughs> Dom is very generous uh, with his uh, podcast praises and so... I will um, take. <laughs> so, basically, today's show, and make sure you're always following the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Today's show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Lakers for a free trial of a great product for anybody who is looking to hire. Today's show, the way it's going to work is we're going to start by talking about whether or not this roster, this Lakers roster, fits as is. We'll take a short break. Then we're going to talk about the two likeliest additions that the, that that seem to be bandied about most. Obviously, Alonzo Ball at the June 22nd draft, and then either somewhere along the line in this offseason or next offseason as a free agent, Paul George seems to be a hashtag future Laker. Uh, so two really exciting additions, but but I, we want to see how they would both fit in in you know with this current iteration of the Los Angeles Lakers. So so Pete, let's start here. Right now, the the Lakers have a rotation of right around eleven players under contract. Right, I, I just off the top of the head, they have D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, uh, probably Lonzo Ball as their key guards. They'll have Brandon Ingram and Luol Deng as their, you know, wings. And then, you know, and, and Corey Brewer in the uh, peripherals a little bit. You have Julius Randle and Larry Nance Jr. as the two guys who are probably going to see the, the vast majority of minutes of power forward. And then you have Zubats and Timothy Mozgov. And then there are guys like Thomas Robinson or Tarek Black or uh, Tyler Ennis, who might fill out, and David Maba, who might fill out the, the rest of the roster. But those guys are, are kind of far enough on the on the outskirts that I don't think we need to talk about them. But I think it's going to be a pretty quiet offseason. And if it is a quiet offseason, how would you feel about this roster moving on into next year? You know, I'm, I've been very encouraged by magic and palenka's comments throughout the media i feel a lot better about this front office 
now than I did a month ago. Uh, and, and I'm I am starting to agree that it's going to be a quiet offseason in that, um, you know, I, I, I thought that they might go into this like, hey, we're the new regime. We got to make a big splash. And by all means, they have big designs, but I think they're wise to kind of set their targets on 2018. So as far as the, the presumed roster goes, um, I think they're a little uh, overloaded in the front court. I mm-hmm. think that they might be wise to make a kind of a big for small type of squ- swap. I think they could use another, uh, you know, let's say Lonzo comes into the fold. Uh, I think they could probably use uh, a quickish guard, uh, you know, to play to, to play the one because you got you know Russell will play some one, Lonzo will play some one, but you don't really have that water bug type of guard and and. You know Tyler Ennis, I, I don't think will be back. The most Lakers can offer him, I believe, is two point six million, uh, which he may not get more elsewhere. But he's also not the type of guard. Uh, I, I'd like kind of a defender, a guy that uh, can work into that rotation there. So uh, that would be a, the biggest move that I'd like to see them make is maybe swap out one of those those bigs for for a guard. But all in all, I think that the roster fits really relatively well together uh they can't really shoot uh lonzo should add a component to that if he comes along but um i'd like to see dang play the four more than he did this past year uh and i think relieving that log jam would help accomplish that but ultimately i think what we all care about is the young guys right and and if they don't make that move for paul george this offseason I don't think anybody has real designs on the young guys making the playoffs or anything. We just want to see a continuance of the progression. And I think I think you've got uh, several guys in Lonzo, Russell, Randall, and Ingram that all have passing and ball handling ability with a couple of them being able to shoot on top of that. And I, I, I really like how that's starting to shape up at, at various positions because you can play all four of those guys at the same time. Yeah, I I completely agree about the guard issue. I Tyler Ennis to me, like there were moments last year where he was legitimately one of the worst players I'd ever seen play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I and I think part of it too is like he was put in a in a kind of a lose lose situation because uh, people kind of looked at him and he was going to fill in for Huertas and you know you're thinking hey you can't get much worse than Huertas. Well, <laughs> guess what? And then, and then he, you know, he struggled to find rhythm early. But I think as the year went along and he kind of settled into a role, I think that's where fans started to buy in because expectations were so low that hey, this guy might be something moving forward. But like I, I, I tweeted out the other day that I would like, I would be kind of bummed if they didn't enter next year with a, you know, an op- an open roster spot or a little bit more flexibility, like entering the season with. 15 players on it to me doesn't seem to make much sense because you're basically saying that the guys that you have are going to be the absolute it's it's not like a playoff team where like a playoff team you want to hammer out the rotation and everybody you see there you want to build that chemistry throughout the year the lakers aren't going to be one of those you just got to you for me i like having that open roster space or you know a spot designated for the two-way contracts which you're going to see a lot more or or you're going to see this year but having 15 leveled out guaranteed contracts would be kind of a bummer um we're going to really quickly touch on uh, zip recruiter and then we'll come back to this conversation are you hiring pete and i may or not uh may or may not be pete is here without darius i'm here without harrison uh so you know if if there's out there, it, for those of you who are looking for the SEO kind of stuff, SEO Laker podcast rumors, I'm sure that'll get you all the clicks. Uh, but do you know where to get, <laughs> where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality con- candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job to all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks such as Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified con- candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. 
Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, our listeners can post jobs as ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash LOLakers. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash LOLakers. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash LOLakers. And, and Darius and, and Harrison, uh, RIP. So... <laughs> let's let's i wanted I, I presume i presume they're together by a fire somewhere right now that's what i like to <laughs> picture in my mind just they, the, they make a cute couple just the the least covered p- trade of all time where, <laughs> where, <laughs> where we swap out you or whatever however that would work yeah in, in terms of the cap but all right i i wanted to so there are two points that i wanted to talk about and that seven minute break there that seven minute segment is rarely enough to to cover anything in depth but I wanted to start with your thoughts on Magic and Palinka because I think that hasn't been covered quite enough. Like, I think part of that, part of why I don't think it has been covered enough is because so many people are wrong about it. You know, like I'm, sure. I'm, I'm willing to say that I, to this point, and and you know, there's plenty of time for them to to flip the narrative here. But to this point, Magic and Palinka have done everything that you could realistically ask for and maybe even then some right by by revitalizing and rebuilding and streamlining the way the organization is going to work behind the scenes and and you said that you know their comments about what they're looking to do this offseason and moving forward like that's everything that we could possibly ask for as fans or people who cover the team i don't think that's been spoken about quite enough yeah, you know, they're they're an interesting case because aside from a couple of those moves at the trade deadline, uh, they're you can project onto them whatever you want to at this point in in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. Now, they the restructuring is not something that to be overlooked. You're absolutely right in that um, they're saying and doing all of the right things. That being said, we're not really in a position to be able to evaluate like. Is Gunnar Peterson an upgrade over Tim DeFrancesco? I, I don't know. I mm-hmm. honestly don't know about the topic to be able to, you know, it's something that we have to kind of trust. And and is the revamping of the analytics department, is it going to be an improvement? I think probably, but I, I don't know, you know, and, and that's something that I try to be careful about in saying, like, yeah, they've really improved in this respect when I really don't have enough knowledge of those jobs in the first place and the job that the previous regime did vis-a-vis what the new person brings to the table all of that being said i I think the most tangible thing that that's settled me down is for one the comments they've made about patience and they've really made a concerted effort to change the narrative about the team and it hasn't just been a oh i'm magic johnson and aren't i great type of thing they they've really been uh hammering home the idea of the Laker brand of guys wanting to come to the Lakers and now how true that is or not it's almost something that that there's no harm in trying to speak it into existence right and they've done a good good job of getting a handle of the narrative that surrounds the Lakers which is something that was absent in the Jim and Mitch years you know uh, I, I feel like Magic and Palenka are in control of what the media is writing and saying about them to whatever extent they can be at this point. And I do think that there's just a lot of positive mojo in that respect. Uh, But the big test is going to come up this offseason. And in terms of them actually being able to perform the functions of their job of trading and signing free agents and those two-way contracts you were talking about, I mean – they've had so little opportunity to actually do it that again, we can project onto them what we want, but uh, you know, the big test is coming up. Yeah. I, I have a pretty simple test when it comes to efficiency in how an organization is being run. And, and, and it's, you know, it goes like this. Do you have a bartender as a scout, an official scout within your organization? <laughs> <laughs> the Lakers are now passing that test <laughs> and, and, sure. you know, <laughs> That yeah, and I'm I'm obviously kidding. I'm obviously being facetious here, but but just the idea that for a while there, Jim Buss thought that he could you know kind of slide that by people and and hope that people didn't notice. That's insane to me. Like that's crazy. 
that that, mm-hmm. that was a thing that and yes i'm not saying that you know everybody who is working in the nba is automatically smarter because i don't i don't know that that's true like i think there are enough people covering the team there's so much analysis analysis going on regarding the nba that i think if you if you just put you know a an ethan strauss or even a you or darius within an organization i think you guys could hit the ground running um, but, but I, I do think though that, you know, with, in, in regards to the type of organization that Magic and Palinka are going to be running, like they're talking about accountability a bunch. And I don't think they could necessarily roll or, or, or send that accountability message out there without also taking a look at how the organization was being run before. Like if they just came back and they said, all right, everybody who was here before, you still have jobs. It's the only injection of of uh fresh blood into this is going to be magic johnson and rob palinka i'd be worried a little bit because that would be them not necessarily doing their job and they wouldn't be therefore holding themselves accountable when they're expecting all of the players to show up with 15 percent body fat or less right so right they you know it, it's kind of the 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 english major in me noted hey we're trimming the fat with the organization we're expecting you as players to trim your own fat and and it sent julius randall into alleyways throughout the city (laughs) of los angeles to to, to do so uh the other thing that i wanted to talk about uh regarding the point guard thing that you brought up i'm not saying that the lakers should target patrick beverly but that seems like the kind of player somebody who can defend you know, you're not going to get a perfect point guard here, but if he can defend, if he can knock down the open shot, like that's exactly what yep. you're looking for out of what whatever they would need to, to fill out a backcourt. Like Jordan Clarkson, he's never going to be a creative type. I think he's going to be a, a good scorer off of the bench, but I think that's about his ceiling. Lonzo Ball, D'Angelo Russell, like they they look, we'll talk about this in a second, but they look like they will fit really well alongside each other. But Mostly because they're, you know, they 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 look, sound so exciting as ideas because they will be playing alongside each other. A prototypical point guard is usually still necessary to fill out a rotation in today's NBA, though I would say. Yeah, and I do think I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the type of player with a guy like Beverly, a kind of a three and D, you know, guy with intensity. The the other thing i would add is that i you know i'd like to have a point guard that can get to the rack a little bit because that's not something that either russell or lonzo do particularly well but that's also uh, i'm kind of that's less important to me than the defensive component and um you know the ability to to knock down open shots so uh yeah yeah that he's beverly's very much along the lines of of who we should be going after but um yeah and it's going to be interesting to see how russell and lonzo mesh with each other uh in that they are a couple of hybrid guards and it would be nice to have a kind of a conventional point guard to go to which beverly is not necessarily but it'd be nice to have that type of guy uh you know it is just a different arrow in the quiver yeah i it's tough because like i hate the phrase true point guard as much as anybody right yeah yeah, we've talked about this, yeah. <laughs> but, but but to a certain extent, like, I, I don't like it when it's used regarding any, you know, like a, a, a premier elite point guard in today's NBA. You know, like when, when Russell Westbrook is called, hey, you're not a true point guard, I'd say, well, then I don't want a true point guard. Yes, exactly. exactly. You know? uh, but when it comes to filling out a rotation, a, you know, a, proto- to a, a stereotypical, prototypical, quote-unquote, true point guard, that does come in handy it 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 alleviates a lot of the because if you look at that second unit jordan clarkson like i say he he can create for himself especially going to his right but that's about it at this stage in his career and and he's reaching that point in his career where you're starting to see this is kind of the guy who the lakers are going to have or whoever is going to have what you know with whichever roster he winds up on uh you you keep on going across that like luol dang isn't going to create for anybody Larry Nance Jr. isn't going to create for anybody. This is where, you know, if Lonzo Ball is drafted by the Lakers, it'd be interesting to see if Julius Randle makes his way to the bench to help with that creativity issue. And then Timothy Mozgov is, is you know, you just, for, you know, you feel fortunate if he doesn't actually 
actively hurt the team that he's playing with out there. But but like <laughs> I said, that, that second unit is going to need some creativity, and that's where that second point guard is going to come in. You talked about really, you know, you alluded to Lonzo Ball and D'Angelo Russell, and I think that's where this next stage of the conversation really starts is can those two play together it's 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 the million dollar question well i guess million dollars isn't very much anyway it's a 10 million dollar question <laughs> the 500 dollar shoe question uh regarding <laughs> the, the lakers moving forward i guess we'll start here i think both those guys will be able to play with each other offensively but will will their abilities on offense be able to make up for how bad they could potentially be defensively together i think so um i actually we'll start with lonzo and i actually think that lonzo projects as a plus defender at the shooting guard position um i had a uh we had mike schmitz from draft express on uh on our podcast uh just yesterday and he was talking about his abilities as an off-ball defender he's got really great instincts he knows that he's going to be a guy that he's going to be one of those guys where you'll see twitter arguments about like no he's a good defender because he's getting this many steals per game right he's going to get because <laughs> he can defend he can jump passing lanes and has good instincts um and so, so i you know having him off of the ball defending twos uh, he he gets eaten up by screens a little bit both on ball and off so that'll be a, that'll be a problem regardless if he's playing point or at the two um but he understands how offense works so he's good at like little things like tagging rollmen and uh rotating out to shooters he he knows where the next pass is going to go, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end. And and so he's able to close out decently well as a result of that. Um, so I think that uh, he, he doesn't have great lateral quickness defensively. And I, I don't think he's, I think he projects as a fairly poor defender at the point guard position. But uh, I think at the two spot, he's actually going to end up. Now, mind you, I don't think many 19-year-olds are going to be good defenders, period. Mm-hmm. But I think that, line i do think that he's going to be a good defender at that wing position um i I think russell is a better defender at the point guard spot than he is at the two um he's a little slow on his closeouts against the this that was something i i watched carefully uh as the season ended and they you know had him defending guys like alan crab and those bigger type guys where his length is not as bothersome to those types of shooters than he is on a point guard uh he was top dozen or top 14 or so post all-star break in deflections uh I, I think he's better at defending the point guard position, which isn't to say that he's great at it, but I think he's a little bit underrated in that respect. Um, and I don't know, man, the game is so screen heavy right now that the what point guard defense really is in most cases is being able to to apply back pressure as a guy comes around the screen. But really what the defensive matchup is is the the offensive guard that comes off of the screen, what he does against the big who's hedging on that and that guy's defensive capabilities. So I don't know, man, we just saw an Eastern conference finals. That was Isaiah Thomas versus Kyrie Irving. So, uh, and then Kyrie Irving joined with by J.R. Smith in the backcourt. So or Darren Williams in some cases, or Darren Williams, right, man. So I'm not going to pull my hair out about a 21 year old and a 19 year old in the backcourt. You know, if, if it comes to their, def- their being defensive, deficiencies that they can overcome moves can happen down the line but um in the backcourt i think the offensive end is considerably more important than the defensive end and i also think too because both those guys lonzo and d'angelo are they both six five or is one six four and one six five or one six five and one six six but they're they're both in that kind of range right yeah and and when you look at a potential lineup of you know d'angelo russell at six five ish Lonzo Ball at 6'5-ish, Brandon Ingram at, you know, 6'9", 6'10-ish with 37-foot ar- 37 arms. Uh, a You know, if Larry Nance Jr. is in the lineup, I think he, he'll, you know, you'll be able to switch there too. And then, at, you know, if the big is Zubats, that kind of hurts your switching ability. But between those four guys, you're looking at a lineup where, like you said, the NBA is so switch-heavy that you need to be able to switch you're screen heavy that you need to be able to switch as much as possible. And with 
D'Angelo Russell and Lonzo Ball, like as soon as the switch happens, both those guys feel comfortable enough. Like it, it's it's not a situation where with Boston, if a switch happened and right. you had and you had like Bradley Beal guarded by Isaiah Thomas, you were done, right? Like yeah. that that possession yep. was over. Washington usually made made uh, do with that possession. With those two guys, you weren't going to have that kind of situation. And and considering what they could be able to do offensively, that's kind of all you could hope for is that they could switch, they can handle themselves, they can, uh, you know, kind of get by enough to get to the other end of the court. Where frankly, that's where basketball games are won. Like I, somebody said this the other day, uh, and it was somebody who I respect, so I'll repeat it. But I don't remember who it was, so I'm sorry if I'm not going to cite you, but. Defense is somewhat overrated. Like I would much rather have a really good offense than a really good defense in 2017. I, I'm so happy to hear someone else say that. Yeah. Um, and, and now, mind you, so I, I'd say individual defense is overrated, right? Obviously, you need to be able to perform on that end as a team. But you're, but that's more of how five guys interact with each other than necessarily their individual talents. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a matter of understanding your rotational responsibilities and just creating a situation where the offense has to take as low of a percentage shot as possible. But that's not going to be like the whole idea of like lockdown defense is so antiquated in my opinion Mm -hmm. that you get it sometimes, you know, there are some situations where you need that, but it's really five guys being on a string and understanding what everyone does. Now, mind you, there's individual components of that, but yeah, I, I'm so happy to hear somebody else articulate that. You know, and, and one other thing about the the Lonzo D'Angelo combo on the defensive end that I don't think we talk about enough in the context of defense is you've got two pretty good defensive rebounders right there yep. that are capable of pushing in transition as mm-hmm. well. So guys are going to be able to leak out, you know, earlier while getting while guards are sandwiching down. They're going to be better at not giving up offensive rebounds as a result of that. Uh, so yeah, those are all, you know, that's a, a, a positive angle that I think that they're going to be able to bring that I don't think we've discussed all that much. Well, think about a lineup of, to that point, think about a lineup of Russell, Lonzo, Ingram, Randall, and Nance, right? Because I think we will probably see that at some point this year, so long as this roster remains intact. You have five guys who, like at the very least, Larry Nance Jr. can get, you know, can get the rebound take a couple dribbles, and find a guard on the move. The other four guys can go coast-to-coast with no problem whatsoever. And that that opens your transition offense into so many different things. Like, one of my favorite plays all year that every single time it happened, my my wife actually thought I had a problem, but every single time it happened where Randall would get a rebound, find a shooter in transition, and dribble right at that shooter's defender and take that defender completely out of the play – and open for a transition three, like those easy points, especially, again, we aren't talking about a playoff team here. This is which which, what Laker fans are going to be looking for going into next year is going to be regular season success. And a huge component of regular season success are these easy baskets. And when you have a lineup like that that can get out in transition, that's that's a great way to get easy baskets. And a guy like Lonzo is going to really improve their outlet passing as well. It's, it's... <laughs> Sorry, puppies He's... in the background. Yeah, a little. Uh... <laughs> he really liked that Lonzo that Lonzo outlet pass he, idea. Charlie is a fan. Charlie is a fan, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. So so Lonzo has. Uh, the ability to outlet the ball as well, and he's really going to improve that component of the team. It, it's all well and good that those guys can rebound and push, and that's very important in transition. But you know the old basketball cliche of the ball moving faster than the dribble does, right, or than the players do. Mm-hmm. So you know a guy like Lonzo is going to get a rebound, and he's going to advance the ball to the guy who's farthest up court, who's open, and that guy might be in a one-on-four situation but it's still advantageous because guys are, are are still at that point trying to match up so as everybody's running the court uh that's where mistakes are made and so even if there, there are a lot of times where Lonzo's going to make a pass that doesn't you know the the assist doesn't happen until three or four passes later but he's the one that compromised the defense in the first place yeah. so 
that that additional component along with the defensive rebounding the ability to push and being able to put five guys out there like you said and you're going to have guys it there's a contagion effect right where you got this great outlet passer so hey i'm going to run the court right because i know a lot this guy's going to find me if i run the court and i'm going to get some easy buckets so everybody starts running the court harder right then when a guy passes like that that becomes contagious and other guys all of those guys have that ability they can you know a russell Randall, Ingram, all of those guys have passing capability that I think that Lonzo is going to help unlock even more than we've seen from them already. Yeah, and again, it, it's that's the transition, and that's one aspect of, of the offense that the Lakers will be looking to run. But how can I put this? With, with regards to Lonzo in transition – it's just it's a completely different idea of basketball than Laker fans are really used to. And and like for me, I'm fat and I'm lazy and I've all like even when I wasn't fat, I was usually pretty lazy on a basketball court. And as a point guard, I used to just love it made my life so much easier. Just get the ball out. I I'd take one or two dribbles, get the ball out of out of my hands and get into transition as quickly as possible and Frankly, the, the the players who I played with enjoy that because it puts them in a spot where the defense is automatically moving. Like the point of an offense is to make sure one of the points of an offense is to make sure the, the defense is rotating when a guy catches the ball. That's why mm-hmm. it's so important for guys to be able to shoot on spot ups is that it forces the defense to have to close out a little bit harder. And that extra step makes a huge difference in what a an offensive player can do as soon as they get the ball. In transition, a player gets the ball and the entire court is moving. So you have that that you have that advantage multiplied to the nth degree. And and for a Laker team that you know is going to struggle in the in the half court, those 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 easy points again. It's just it's it's impossible to exaggerate how valuable those things are going to be. My favorite video that you made, actually, that, that honestly I've ever watched from you was the transition ideology behind, you know, what, what the Warriors would bring over and what Luke would hopefully bring over from the Warriors. And I feel like when, when I think about Lonzo Ball and his outlet ability and D'Angelo Russell and the way he thinks about the game in transition and, and, and Randall and his ability and, and Ingram uh, handling the ball as well, like, I'm just watching this video that you put together regarding the Warriors transition offense uh in the way they think about it I'm watching that come together like as an idea and it makes me so happy that that you know the Lakers are going to be fun to watch next year yeah well it, it it's interesting we're, we're talking about Lonzo kind of as it's an assumed thing yeah and if you don't mind me asking do you think that it's I mean we I feel like we get a lot of BS around this time of year, and we're hearing a lot about Josh Jackson and about De'Aaron Fox, and I'm a lot higher on Jackson than I am on Fox, but do you think that we should be, I guess, speaking in this uh, in, in such assumptions at this point? Do you think it's a lock that, that Lonzo's a Laker? I Here's where I get to sound like a douchey reporter guy, but like <coughs> the people who I've spoken to around the Lakers have, have said that it's a done deal to Palinka in magic. Like magic's went so far today as to say that he sees a bit of himself. Right. In Lonzo right. ball. Like you don't say that about somebody who you just like, well, you know, we could think about this other guy at the exact same position, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> in regards to uh, deer and Fox. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, Josh Jackson makes a bunch of sense, but even Josh Jackson, like he's a full year older than Brandon Ingram, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, Josh Jackson, like I, I feel like, how can I, the, the the Lakers haven't made a splash to this point, and probably don't want to don't sound like a team that wants to make a splash in regards to guys that are currently playing in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But you know how you can make a splash without you know the commitment that comes from making a splash is by drafting Alonzo Ball, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 I, I just think uh, I add all these things up together and. And it makes sense for the Lakers to kick the tires on all these guys. And it makes sense for them to not admit publicly this is what they're thinking about doing in regards to Lonzo. But to me, I, I would be – I would – if I had to bet, you know, like my life on Lonzo versus the field, I would pretty happily say Lonzo. 
Yeah, I, I would too. I, I, you know, and to your point, um, you know, what you led into that was, you know, Lakers are going to be fun to watch next year. And I think that uh, it's such a simple thing, but I think that matters. And even in contextualizing the Laker draft pick, like Lonzo Ball is a star. Now, that's not to say that he's going to be a better basketball player than Jackson or Tatum or any of the other guys. But he's a he's a household name already. Mm-hmm. And those guys aren't. Um, and, you know, G- you got Janie made her comments about wanting an all-star in 2018, which, you know, Lonzo is not going to be most likely, right? Yeah. But it, if you zoom out a bit, her point is that, you know, we got we don't have anybody that people talk about. We don't have any stars on this team. And when the Lakers go on the road, it's going to be Lonzo Ball and the Lakers – visit yeah. phoenix or whatever mm-hmm. like that's how it's going to be plugged and that's how and people in opposing arenas are going to want to watch that kid their guy smoke that kid so they can laugh at lavar the next day right well and, think and, about think about like when the lakers go to boston with how lonzo was openly oh, trolling the celtics yes yes but, the, the, but that's but that's like he's he people care about him now they might hate him but they're going to watch. They're going to care. They're going to listen. And so the notion of the Lakers passing up – first off, a Magic you know, magic passing up on a guy that he says, oh, yeah, he reminds me of me. Like you said, like, yeah, that's you know, glaring you know, uh, <laughs> indication right there. And a guy that, is, that has so much buzz around him, which I know we don't like to you know, pick the best player. That's who the Lakers need to take. And I agree with that to an extent. But if all else is equal, and if they're comparable prospects, I mean, Anthony, who do you think the who do you think Spectrum wants the Lakers to take? Hmm. Right. Let me think. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know. So uh, they're yeah. already lining up a Lavar Ball show. Oh, of course. Of course they. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, Geeter was on the show the last show. I promise that's not something that's actually happening. But no, it's but not. I, okay. Yeah. When when are you getting uh, when are you getting Lavar on lockdown, Anthony? Honestly, like, my head would probably explode. I think Harrison's head would explode. Yeah. Harrison, Harrison, I don't, I don't know if you've seen this. You've probably seen this at some point when we've all gone out and, and, and had drinks or whatever. But Harrison will sometimes make this face when I go on my weird tangents where, like, <laughs> he, go, he goes, like, pale white and his eyes get, like, anime size, you know? And... He just he just sits there and he just he he doesn't move and he just says oh my god where's where's Anthony taking me what where, where could we possibly end up here like that would be Harrison for the entire show and then maybe for like three hours afterward. <laughs> I, I was talking to him not too long ago and we were talking this is before the Lakers knew they were gonna get a pick and he was like man like I know Lon- like I like Lonzo but. I'm going to have to write five articles on that dude every day. Not talking about Lonzo, but about LeVar. And he's like, so for selfish reasons. <laughs> and so when the Lakers got the second pick, he, you know, like my first thought was like, yes. And then my second thought was just to troll the crap out of Harrison. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've been I've been uh, doing that at every turn possible. I look forward to his uh, silver screen and roll articles on a uh, – the latest LeVar Ball hijinks. It was funny. Like we watched, we, we streamed ourselves. We opened ourselves up to the crazy humiliation had the Lakers lost their pick, but we, we streamed ourselves on Facebook live while we were watching. Oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) While we were watching the lottery take place and the Lakers kept their pick. And I went to high five Harrison and there's this, there's a hesitation there. <laughs> what do you think was behind that? <laughs> so, um, all right. So we talked about the transition aspect of of the offense, and we talked about the defensive side of this. But in the half court with Lonzo Ball and D'Angelo Russell, I think their games fit each other like in in the weirdest way possible, the best way they possibly could, right? Yeah. Because they, it's not, it's you know, it's not your, it, it, it's not a Hoosiers team that you grew up watching. This isn't a even a Magic Johnson where he asked for Norm Nixon to get traded because he wanted the ball in his hands more. You know, it was it. This is these are two guys who are insanely smart, both on and off the bat, uh, on and off the ball, 
and two guys who like D'Angelo Russell shoots better uh, on the catch and shoot. Lonzo Ball shoots better off of the catch and shoot than uh, especially moving to his right. Mm-hmm. Uh, their games seem just in that vacuum of just those two players. If you're looking to play two on two, like I would hate to play against Lonzo Ball and D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that in in half court situations, the other one, the other guy can do what the guy on the ball. You like they can they can interchangeable. They have interchangeable responsibilities and interchangeable capabilities. The the one scenario where I think there's going to be a positional distinction is you can run a high ball screen for Russell and create a decent shot and or if they're soft hedging on it he can shoot that little pull-up mid-range jumper with i mean he's not great at it he needs to get better at it but he's competent at it and you know if if you've got eight seconds left on the shot clock and lonzo's got the ball up top it's going to be a little more difficult to create a decent shot there's there are more limitations right there i i actually in in knowing the laker playbook a little bit i this is a really strange, um, really strange comparison, but bear with me. In terms of the movements and the actions, picture Lonzo like Nick Young, mm-hmm. but with incredible passing ability, right? So mm-hmm. they've got that one play uh, that uh, I call um, I call fist fist down, where it, it ended up as a corner three for uh, for Young uh, after a, a high ball screen involving Russell, you know, uh, Mozgov had set the little, the, the pin down screen and young would exit to the corner and get an open look. Now the second, now young could knock down that shot. What he couldn't do is if they closed out and he wasn't open, that's supposed to flow into a side pick and roll with him and the big right there. Mm-hmm. Lonzo's not going to be particularly good at those high pick and rolls, at least for the next year, I believe while he learns how to do it. But if you get him, attacking a closeout on a pick and roll and having attacking the defense when an, when an advantage is already created by the previous offense that you've run like he's going to eat he's going to eat people alive off of that whether it's his own scoring or kickouts to shooters or to the rolling big off of that so a lot of the actions that the Lakers run both Lonzo and D'Angelo can run both of those positions with a great deal of uh, of efficiency, with the exception, I think, of those high ball screens. I think that's going to need to be Russell's job. And the other thing, too, that I like about these guys on, on, a, on a much shallower level is when the ball goes from side to side, having a left-handed player on one side and having a right-handed player on the other side makes it it's just another thing that the defense has to think oh, about and it, i didn't think that that's great yeah and and, it, and it's kind of fun to think about and and not only are they left and right-handed but they both have these weird twerks weird quirks not twerk they don't they don't twerk on the <laughs> <laughs> they, they both have yeah, these weird people. quirks i can't wait to hear about that in my mentions tomorrow yeah but, <laughs> but they they both have these weird like lonzo ball has this weird shooting motion where the ball goes comes completely from his like if if you're thinking about this from a baseball standpoint like if you're thinking the ball goes from the opposite side maybe middle in or middle out from a a from the from the home plate where the ball just crosses somebody's body just kind of slightly that's how more of what D'Angelo Russell shoots like but Lonzo Ball goes from the complete other side way far out there and uh, you almost have to play him like a left-handed player because of that, right? And yeah. D'Angelo Russell is is so big and has de- has developed that game where he pins somebody on his backside so well and gets in and you know whether it's a floater or that mid-range jumper, uh, he's just he's that that craftiness is is a nice little quirk to add to to what he's doing there. And in both those cases where the ball is going side to side, the defense has to think about so much. Whenever it's going from D'Angelo Russell throwing that skip pass to Lonzo Ball or vice versa or any player throwing that skip pass to either of those guys, like that's just the defense has to think about a lot more versus like when it was D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson and the ball would skip from one side to another and Jordan Clarkson was pretty much, well, I got to go right, I got to put my head down and I got to hope I get to the rim here. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And the other thing here too that I, I, I wanted to, to bring up regarding both D'Angelo Russell and Lonzo Ball, offensively, they feel like they could be like is this crazy of me to say this, but I, I feel like their ceiling could be like a bigger Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum in terms of potential moving forward, where both guys like CJ McCollum has a weird way to handle the ball and he gets shots in really weird ways. Dame is Dame. Uh, but one guy is a little bit better one-on-one. The other guy is obviously better in a catch and shoot situation. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm describing D'Angelo Russell and Lonzo ball. And they just happen to both be six, four, six, five, where, or six, five, six, six, where, Dame Millard and CJ McCollum are both in that six four six three range, and and those couple inches there make a big difference for each other. I I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I I, I think slash hope they're going to be a little better on the defensive end when yeah. they come into their you know older years. But that's kind of where the size comes into play, right? No, and that's a fair point. And the switchability that you were talking about earlier is something that Portland can't really pull off with those guys either. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I think that you get a little more. Uh, penetration capabilities from Dame and CJ than we'll get from Lonzo and Russell. For me, with those two guys, it's all about their shooting. And, I, you know, I, I hesitate to compare to, like, Clay and Steph, right? Because you're talking... Two of the best shooters ever. Right, right. But I, I feel like Russell has untapped potential as a shooter. His His mechanics were very inconsistent throughout the year and he's a guy we see him like he gets hot and he gets white hot right but he he doesn't shoot the same way every time Lonzo's a lot more consistent in his mechanics as odd as they may be uh Lonzo's gonna have less variation that said if Russell can work this offseason to be consistent in his form not necessarily go by results but just like when I run this action this is how I'm going to shoot it every single time. This is how my feet are going to be. This is how my stroke is going to be. All that. This is the um, arc I'm going to use, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. I think both guys can be high 30s, low 40s, three-point shooters. Because Alonzo was bombing them from 28, 30 feet already. So mm-hmm. the NBA three-point line isn't going to bother him at all. Um, I, I think that it's going to be more similar to a Stephen Clay type situation if it works out well. Mm-hmm. right? You've got these two guys that put so much pressure on the rim from so far away that it spaces the floor for everybody else and guys like ingram will have driving lanes guys like randall if he's around can really exploit that uh, you know they're gonna have to close out hard on those guys but i think the potential of this duo is really gonna hinge on can they become holy crap we can't leave this guy open type of shooters and i think russell's capable of that but he hasn't gotten there yet and it remains to be seen about lonzo and that kind of brings us to the next part of this conversation regarding the other players, the peripherals that would be surrounded or surrounding Lonzo Ball and, and D'Angelo Russell. And, and in this case, maybe let's say, you know, we go a year from now and the Lakers don't make a move. They want they, you know, they don't make a major move involving either Ingram, Lonzo and Russell, which, by the way, again, like I, I would pretty much bet my life that all three of those guys enter the the season as Lakers and finish the season uh, as Lakers. But Hmm. with, uh, with Paul George potentially entering the fold uh, a year from now in free agency, that spacing that you're talking about with Lonzo and D'Angelo Russell being able to, to attract such gravity if they develop their shooting ability. Imagine Paul George having, you know, the kind of space that Iguodala gets to work with, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. and, and, uh, that's just, it's terrible. I would be terrified if I had to go up against that. And, and, you know, if it's a, if it's a pairing of wings where it's, you know, Ingram and George both playing in there at the same time, then good luck trying to stay in front of those guys on a closeout, you know? And, uh, I, I guess, like this is where the difference between trading for Paul George this year and waiting, you know, sticking it out and hoping that they get him next year. Like that's where I think in this case where you're looking at Alonzo Ball already on the Lakers, that's where the biggest difference in potential ceiling for the Lakers really shows itself is 
just imagine those four being able to be on the court at the same time as they are, as all their games grow to fit each other's. Like that's a really fun thing to think about. How do you think Paul George fits with with those three guys? Man, I, I think that those are exactly the type of guys that George needs next to him, and I think George is exactly the type of guy that those guys need next to them. The, the thing about you know Russell. Uh, Lonzo and Ingram is none of them despite being the second pick in the draft none of them are really plus athletes the closest is Ingram you can you know say and, and Lonzo's a solid athlete he I don't think he gets enough credit in that respect but um, George is really a dynamic can get to the rack great free throw shooter um, he, he's if you don't, if you've got guys like Lonzo and, and Russell out on the perimeter, they're not going to get to the line all that much. Ingram brings a little more of that to the table, but you know George can get there, can put pressure on the rim, and having floor spacers around them and and ball mover. Now Ingram's got to get up to that thirty, give me thirty three, thirty four percent from three point range this year. That's what I would like to see this coming season from him, um, and then eventually into the higher mid to higher thirties. Um, but yeah, guys like Ball and Russell being able to space the floor. <laughs> <laughs> they really need to space the floor, according to to Charlie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they do. You know, George brings a certain degree of of athleticism that the young guys don't possess, despite being those second picks in the draft. You know, Um, he's got the ability to put pressure on the rim. He's a great free throw shooter and being surrounded by shooters. Now, you know, Ingram needs to up his percentage uh, to to be able to, you know, kind of be in that classification. But at least he can he can knock down a mid range shot pretty well. And he can attack a closeout very well, handle the ball pass. You know, he brings a lot of perimeter ability, even if the shot isn't all the way there yet. Um, and, and so they're going to ease, they're going to ease the load that George has, um, and then vice versa. Uh, you know, George is going to be able to provide something that they're not able to provide with that athleticism. And he's going to be a guy that you know the game kind of slows down for whatever reason at the end of the game and. You end up getting these stagnant isolation type of sets, and you know he's far and away going to be the best, the guy most capable of creating an open look out of a play that doesn't have a lot of ball or player movement. And I feel like you need that. I, you know, even we're going to see in the finals coming up. I think that's really the difference that KD is going to make in the finals, and that you know, Golden State could really get stagnant uh, in, in the finals last year against Cleveland, uh, when because they didn't have anybody who's physical talent could overwhelm the opponent and now they do in Durant and I think George would provide uh you know something similar for the something similar to that for a Laker team that that needs that despite having a lot of high draft picks they don't have a lot of athleticism yeah I I completely agree though I do think like I think we're really about to see and and I might have convinced myself this out of out of a bias that I have because I do happen to be a Laker fan but I do think we're about to see Brandon Ingram's game take off because everything about him improves as he gets stronger. And he seems so like he seemed annoyed when I asked him on the show about about the strength question. Right. I asked him, obviously, if he was if he gets annoyed at at having people constantly come back to that. But but he did see it like it, it seemed like, yeah, I mean, I still had some success at the weight and strength I was last year. Just wait until. You know, I do add a little bit of muscle here and there, and and for him, like you and I, we we had the podcast in which we talked about him exploring his body and stuff. <laughs> but but for for somebody who so much of explosiveness starts at you know starts at the ground and then works its way up, for him, being able to be strong enough to maintain balance as he goes to the basket, like that's going to make him so much more athletic than he seemed at points this year, and you saw it as the year went along and he started dunking on people was he started getting a lot more comfortable as the season went along. I'm sure he got stronger. And finally at the end of the year, he was hugging people in the air while he was dunking on them. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, I do think uh, those four guys and, and just, again, like I come back to a lineup of say uh, ball, Russell, George Ingram and Nance. And 
again, it, it would be for short stretches because those kinds of lineups shouldn't play extended minutes. But but for those stretches that they're out there together, I, I can't think of a more fun lineup that the Lakers have trotted out there since like the Odom Powell Kobe days. You know, yeah, that that yeah. kind of lineup could be so much. And even then, it's a different kind of fun because it would be so much more open. It would be so much more uh, up and down. Um, you know, they, they probably aren't going to have the same kind of success, but still just, you know, just for the sake of, Hey, I can't wait to get back to watching fun Lakers basketball again. Like that's exact, that's checking that box. And then some, you know, the, the, an era that I think is analogous to where we are now is that period before the Lakers signed Shaq that and after magic retired. It's my favorite era of Lakers basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And even though there weren't championship teams, they were, uh, they were incredibly fun and they were exactly by the time Shaq did sign in 96, the year prior to that, they were the type of team that they were first, second round type of team, but they were young and they were fun and they were exactly the type of team that you could pitch to a superstar and be like, Hey man, you're the only thing that we're missing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's and hey, that worked. <laughs> and it sure did. It sure did. And I think it can work again, despite uh-huh. CBA changes and things like that. Uh, I think Paul George is, you know, knock on wood. I think he's going to be a jump start to that. And I think, you know, it's going to be a much easier sell to another star to say, hey, come join Paul George and this gaggle of young guys. Um, but. Uh, even though the, your Van Exels, your Eddie Joneses, your Sabalases, even though they weren't eventually on the Laker championships teams, they created a team that was attractive enough to a guy like Shaq, and they ended up being moved for critical pieces like Ori and you know Glenn Rice, Horace Grant, etc. Et um, but those championships don't happen without those guys, and I, I think that that's the era that we're in right now. 25 years later and I, I i really think that style that you're describing anthony is they're not going to be a 45 48 win team like they were in the mid 90s uh but i think they can end this season this upcoming season as a place where paul george and, and more are really going to want to come here yeah i can't wait for all of the like we started to see it at the beginning of last year where it was a whole bunch of like, whoa, like, hey, maybe these Lakers might not be terrible, you know? I think, and and then eventually, like, injuries took over, and and we know how the season played out. But, like, next year, we're probably going to get that, and it'll probably take the next step as far as, you know, when people start talking about exciting young cores, the Lakers probably won't get crapped on the way they do nowadays, right? Uh, in in my opinion, wrongfully. But but they won't, but you, you're going to get a whole bunch of, like, Holy crap! Look at what they could have if, you know, with with Ingram taking because I think he's going to take a quantum leap next year. Uh, Russell is going to be entering his third year, and 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 Lonzo Ball if he comes in and and he does what he's capable of, you're going to get a whole bunch of like, holy crap! Yeah, they figured it out. What were we thinking before when we said like Denver was far and away the better young core? Like I, I just I I, I think uh, this is the year that you're kind of start you're going to see that narrative flip. Yeah. All right, man. We we made it. We we made it an hour. I I looked down at the at the clock and we're at right about an hour. This flew by, and it flew by because we don't talk enough uh, on each other's shows. We're gonna ha- we're gonna have to we 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 bandied about getting yes. you know you and Darius and and Harrison and myself all on the same podcast at some point. Uh, if you guys would be into that kind of thing. Uh, let us know in the mentions and, and we'll try to make that work. But Pete, I great coach. I greatly appreciate you. <laughs> I greatly appreciate you uh, making time late on this Thursday night slash Friday morning. And, and we, uh, I, I can't wait to uh, talk to you again and, and shoot, have another couple beers again. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our uh, locked on Laker film room, uh, anchorman style fight that we'll have, you know, uh, when, when we join forces together, you, assemble your crew i'll assemble mine and we'll uh grab the tridents and, and get to work so. i'm a little nervous because yours and darius's social media following is a lot bigger than ours so <laughs> if it turns into if it turns like a twitter 
civil war kind of situation i don't think it would go very well like I oh yeah no my peeps are hardcore man they're they yeah no they represent i i appreciate them for that yeah, yeah. so uh yeah, I, I I will I will never ever 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 like I'll troll just about anybody, but I will uh-huh. not troll Coach Peach's Twitter following. I will not do that. <laughs> I will not go there. <laughs> I might have to bait you one of these days. See what happens. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's uh, let's talk soon. Again, today's show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. Go to ZipRecruiter.com/slash/lolakers to try out that great product for free. Uh, continue to support. You know, companies like that who support Harrison and myself. Uh, make sure you guys are supporting Laker Film Room Podcast, LakerFilmRoom.com, FormBlueAndGold.com. Uh, honestly, the, the, the more elevated we continue to make this conversation about the Lakers, the better everybody does. So that's what we're all, that's what we're all shooting for. Pete, I'll talk to you soon and have a great Memorial Day weekend. You too, my man. Take care. fashion hotline hi my family's going to a tailgate and i want our style to stand out from the crowd just go to old navy old navy yep old navy's got all the latest fall styles plus during old navy's colossal sale you'll save up to 50 percent off store-wide did you say up to 50 percent off i did so don't sit on the sidelines old navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks stylish dresses from 15 bucks and comfy tees for the family from just six bucks right now at old navy and old navy.com we're cheering for old navy high fashion old navy valid 10 2 to 10 10 select styles only